1: You know, I was just scanning my questions here. I just realized half of them are about how to maintain a glorious beard. <laughs> uh, and so I-
0: it's turning gray. This is a this is a trader's beard. Hey, I'm 28 years old. Look at look at my beard. No, I'm I'm 40 years old. From the bottom, ain't no half stepping. I'm the dog. I made it through, so they don't
1: ask questions. Long Beach, and it ain't no half rapping. Once a dog, always a dog. So they don't ask questions. Let's go. Rick DeCosta is here. He is the president and head trader at FitTraders. He has a background in hospitality and finance and worked for the Bank of Montreal, where he was named Leader of the Year in 2016. In 2017, he transitioned to a full-time trader and now has over 40,000 subscribers on YouTube. I'm just honored to call him a friend. Rick, thanks for making the time for us today, man.
0: Wow. Thank you very much, Scott. I think uh, you're making me blush a little bit. It's an (laughs) honor to be on your show. Congratulations on this new venture. I wish you the best of success and I know you will kill it. So it's an honor to be one of your first guests to come on.
1: Thank you, man. You've always been a supporter of mine and a great friend. And I just uh, I just really appreciate you as a person, uh, what you give back to the community and, and how you just have this mantra of helping others. And so I think uh, being able to talk to you and, and bring some of your uh, knowledge and, and real magic uh, to the show, I think will uh, will really help people.
0: I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to help. Um, it's been one of my One of my focuses in life to always give back, to help, to teach others, to watch other people be successful. It's very rewarding. Um, I love seeing it in the trading community because, you know, a lot of people need good education. They need a good mentor. They need uh, someone that's been through what they're currently going through. And there's a lot of bad stuff that's out there. So, you know, I thought, hey, I could do some good things in here. And that's what I've been doing since 2017. I swear, in 2017, I didn't have any grades. I don't know—is it age, is it the black hair, or is it trading? I think it's a, it's a combination, right? Children.
1: I think 2020 um, really did that to all of us, my friend. So I, I, uh, I fully yeah. get it.
0: And and the beginning of this 2022, right? This <laughs> this first quarter of the year, it's definitely added a few more.
1: It's it's been a it's been a tough grind this year for sure. Uh, You are, you know, honestly, one of the few no-bullshit traders that I know. You know, I touched a Mm -hmm. little on your background, but I'd love to get started with really what sparked your interest in the markets and how you transitioned into becoming a full-time trader.
0: Yeah, so uh, as men, we kind of have this gambling nature about us. Um, So growing up, high school, college, I had a real... Uh, a gambling background, like sports betting. So I really love sports betting, big sports fan, big Blue Jays fan. Uh, so I got into a lot of sports betting. And the stock market always seemed like, uh, you know, oh, no, you have to be rich. You have to work in a bank. You have to have a lot of inside information. to be. You need a stock tip in order to buy stocks. So there was something that really caught my attention. But uh, it really started with my brother-in-law telling me to, hey, buy this stock. He told me to buy Yellow Pages. This is back like in... 2008 or something um i think this is probably when google and everything just started to explode so i bought the top of yellow pages before it absolutely went obsolete so my first venture into buying stocks was losing 50 percent of my capital immediately which i find is probably the best thing that can happen to you because if your first venture getting into stocks or getting into any you know crypto any market forex whatever it is is that the money's too easy it's too fluid you're never really going to put the time to understand um that it's not, you know, it's not easy. Your first venture was like so simple. You made so much money. So later on, that's going to come back to haunt you. So losing that money early was a really good, you know, test, right? So it's a test whether I'm going to give up No, no, This is not for me. This is, this is, this is, people just lose money in stocks or, okay, what went wrong? What just happened? I thought Yellow Pages was solid. And then really started to understand the foundations of what it is to be uh, trading and buying stocks. Coincidentally, I I was I was a hospitality management. I was director of rooms at one of the big Toronto five hotels. I was at a crossroads in my career that, in the hospitality industry, you have to move around a lot. And I had just gotten married. My wife's a nurse in, in Toronto. She didn't want to be moving around a lot. So I had to look for other opportunities. And lo and behold, um, I was connected with BMO Bank of Montreal, where I ended up my first job, not having any banking experience, was a ranch manager. Imagine that. Like, I know nothing about banking. My first job is to be a ranch manager experience. Right there was in the reasons.
1: Fire. You're just yeah, yeah. right in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, just right in there. So, you know, having just lost that money in stocks and now starting the bank, my curiosity, this is a great place. I'm going to learn, I'm going to do my job, but on the side, I'm going to learn what it's like to really buy stocks and invest. And one of the, a few of the licenses I had to go through was to be able to buy securities, right? To buy and sell securities, mutual funds, stuff like that. So anyways, I had some really... A knowledgeable brokers next to me in the office next to me be Bimo Nesbitt Burns, you know, they deal with high net worth the pro- profile clients trading and buying individual stocks, not mutual funds, not ETFs, buying stocks. So really had that opportunity to sit, learn, ask questions, any down period in the day, go and ask questions. And I really started to learn about these things that I didn't know before, which was technical analysis learning technical analysis, learning to read these charts that seem so complicated when you first look at them. But in the end, you kind of realize they're not that complicated. It's just like anything. You spend the time, you learn. And when you learn, then you comprehend the stock market a little bit more. So that's really how I got into stocks.
1: What are some lessons that you learned from some of these traders in the bank uh, that maybe you still kind of think of today?
0: You know, the number one thing was the – the 200-day, the 50-day, and the Bollinger Bands. That was the main thing. You know, they're not, like, if I if I go now and I talk to those individuals about the technical analysis that I use and the information I have, they'll be like, wow, okay, so explain this to me. You know, we t- we've taken it to a whole new level. You, me, like a lot of traders, online, YouTube. Online trading, technical analysis is elevated to massive levels, the sophistication, of so many traders that are out there is huge. But when I really started, it was just understanding RSI. You know What does RSI mean? What does it mean when you're outside the upper Band? What does it mean when you're below the lower bar? I had a stock back in I it was 2014, 2013 or something, like that it was Permetic Life Sciences. This stock was exploding. It went from like 60 cents to $3.80. I was making a lot of money on it. And it dropped 50% in a day. And I didn't understand that. It was, wait a second, how could that possibly happen? i lost half of my gains in a day. It was really understanding new things. How far you're outside the upper volume band? What does the volume climax look like? What the RSI reading was? Plus combining that with a news release, a bearish news release. So, you know, going through those basics of really learning and then having to continuously take it to a new level to understand price action, to understand why these events happen, what is it on the chart. And, you know, I just took those little foundations that I learned and then spent so much time watching charts, reading charts, watching some YouTube, learning, reading some books, and to be able to understand and interpret it in a way now that I have my system and I just use my system. I don't need someone else to you know, confirm it for me or someone else to tell me, this is my system. I'm very comfortable with it. I have enough back testing data to tell me, as long as I stick with my system, I follow over time, you're going to continuously be successful.
1: Do you remember the first successful trade that you made that really kind of gave you the confidence to say, okay, you know what, maybe I can actually do this on a consistent basis.
0: So I was a little bit fortunate that while I was still learning um and not being naive I also think you know I started Trading um, when I was uh, 28 years old, right? 28 years old. So I didn't start in my early years. I'm married, house, mortgage. So a lot of responsibility, a career, a lot of responsibility where money is important. It's impactful. It's in, I need to pay my mortgage. I need to pay my bills. We got car payments and all this stuff. So it's not something that is just playing around with. So you have to take it very serious. Whereas if a new trader comes in right now, you know, they don't have too much responsibility. They don't have family. They don't have kids. They don't have mortgage. They, you know, they kind of a little bit more easy go, easy come, easy go. But while I was learning, I was taking it serious. I was very fortunate to catch some things that ran and ran pretty hot. Like it was, it was a stock called, uh, sorry, the Permanent Life Sciences. That was one of them. I was able to catch another stock. It was a mining stock, and the name is escaping me right now. But between those two, the Permanent Life Sciences. I went all in when it was 82 cents. And I was able to get out mainly the big portion um, at a $3 range. So my account went from a small account to a substantially big account based off of one stock that went exploded. I got lucky though. I understood the technicals as I was going through that experience. I was learning more and more and more about the technicals, but I got lucky because I believed in the story. I believed in what they were selling and they were selling was a lie. That stock is no longer existed. It's delisted It's zero cents. But throughout that journey, I started to realize I got to stop thinking about the story because we're being sold the story and I got to start respecting what the charts tell me, because when we got that 50% drop, I was still able to get out much higher, but to understand why that happened. And then when I started to see it happen again to be out. So that was the big where I made my initial bankroll that now I had some size to get into the market and do things. And coincidentally, at this time, this is when the cannabis sector in Canada came along. And thankfully that I cut my teeth through some very volatile stocks up until that point, I was able to understand how to handle the volatility in the cannabis space. So anybody that was trading in the Canadian cannabis space at the time, they have a name that would resonate with them very well, whether it's canopy growth or Aurora cannabis or or, or Ganigram or what was the one that you used to really like Hexo?
1: Yeah, yeah, Hexo. Yeah, sexy Hexy Hexy. hexy. hexy.
0: hexy.
1: Yes, Yeah. sexy I think Hexy. Sexy. Hexy is like a uh, ten cents now. I don't even know. <laughs> yes,
0: the bi- I always say the biggest money in the market is when you believe in the story, right? If you could combine understanding the fundamentals the understanding, the potential, and then incorporating good technical analysis, good risk behavior, good understanding of your own emotional intelligence while you're going to be in these trades, that's where you're going to make the big money. So, you know, anybody that doesn't believe the story in anything that they're trading, it's just a trade, right? So as soon as you got some profits, you're going to look for a sell signal, you're going to take those profits, and then you look back, oh my God, the stock continue to run because you didn't quite understand the potential the story the magnitude of everything that was happening behind it but we knew this in the canadian cannabis space and i would love to catch another sector something like that which is currently not really available in this market I know the crypto market had it last year when that happened, we're talking about stocks that ran from two dollars to eighty dollars, uh, you know, ten cents to ten bucks. So constantly, there was always opportunity. So the big ones at that time for me were Canopy Growth, whereas ACB was T God. Uh, there was a portion. Um, there was a portion of TLR TLRY. At that time, I didn't like really catch that whole big run at that time because I was obsessed and focused more on Canopy Growth than ACB at the time. But those ones really changed things for me to be able to grow my bankroll and to grow my accounts to the point where I was no longer dependent on an employer. And at this point at BMO, I was a director of, uh, sorry, vice president of mortgages for GTD West. So Toronto, Etobicoke, Mississauga, Oakville, very big region. It was a really great job, a uh, big job. But, you know, at this point, you know, you're still working for somebody. And during, during my time in the role, there was some... There were some moments that I was tied up and I missed some opportunities in the market that I knew were clearly there and it cost me a lot more money. Uh, I'll never forget this one time I was sitting in an office and there was uh, a security, uh, investigative security investigating one of my employees. I'm not gonna get into those details, uh, but ACB was doing a volume climax and I knew this was a volume climax is like one of my bread and butter trades. It works 11 out of 10 times is what I like to say. Um, <laughs> I knew this climax was going to happen. And ultimately it was about a $50,000 miss in terms of what I would have done and what I could have capitalized on because I was caught in this meeting that I could not get out of. And I sat there at the end of the day and I'm watching somebody else get investigated for something that they're doing. Now, you know, I'm making my salary for this day, but I'm missing out on all this opportunity. So there came that crossroads of, know, I like what I'm doing. I'm leading people. It's a great job. It's a great career, but I think I have a calling in here that I could really capitalize on in this current market environment, which was what we had in that cannabis space. So long story short, you know, it really started with PLI um, and then really that canopy and ACB explosion was fantastic
1: yeah you know our our stories are very, very similar. canadian uh, Canadian markets are very heavy into commodities and you know, and and a lot of these speculative assets. and um maybe you can touch on a little of that of of just what it's like to be a Canadian trading because in Canada, we can have these massive sector runs, and we're kind of seeing that right now when it comes to commodities. But as soon as that drops off, it's pretty slim pickings. And so we are forced really to then look south and, and focus on a lot of American growth stories and, and stuff like that. So how do you kind of balance that um, that kind of dichotomy that we as Canadian traders kind of live on a day-to-day basis?
0: Don't bet, never bet against America. The the money is in America, right? The, the US stock market is absolutely where everything is. Um, to further go on what happened after pli cgc acb for me was tesla and apple um there was a couple other stocks like VFF in the cannabis space which was also really good but then it became tesla and apple in in 2017 2017 when i decided to go full-time 2018 i ended up meeting a lot of traders online through various uh communities online trading communities and one of the common the feedback was you should really be doing your own thing, you should really be teaching people and taking that time to educate people. And you know, over time, I kind of started to listen and I went on Instagram and I started to record my screen on Instagram, which my personal Instagram. I would grab my phone and I would just record my screen and I was talking about what would happen in stocks, and then I didn't realize how many people that were following me, like from a personal friend level, would be so interested in this. A couple of days later, I started the business Instagram, which was just It was called rick's trades at the time and by the way i got rick's trades because you were called scott's trades and i said well (laughs) scott's trades sounds pretty good let me go call it rick's trades so then i did rick's trades and then uh, eventually we blew into youtube and then you know traded changed it to fit traders but while we were doing fit traders and our community was growing it was a mainly cannabis postdoc focused community because that's where all the money was in canada but that died and we saw it dying. We saw the run up to the legalization date and then it capped off, like it blew off and that was it. So while it was going down, I had to change my shift. I had to change my focus. We had to shift to what's opportunity that's out there. Well, guess what? You know, basically our, mainly our community at the time was Canadian traders because it was all mainly focused on the Canadian uh, stock sector is I started shifting all my YouTube and all my analysis to U.S. tech stocks, we started focusing on Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, um, of course, Tesla, because there was no money left in that Canadian space. And with a little bit of a bankroll, you want to be able to play stuff that moves a lot and has liquidity. And that's where you want to get into the U.S. stock market. So that's where my behavior completely shifted and I've never shifted back. Now, I have a Canadian uh, account. I have a Canadian RESP account for my kids, so every now and then I'm trying to find some form of a Canadian stock that's really going to get hot. Um, last year was the score, which was ended up being by bought out by One Bite Pen, um, which exploded, so that was great. But right now I don't really have anything in the Canadian sector. We have some members in our room that are really focused on Canadian stocks, so every now and then they'll point out things. But mainly my focus is big tech. Obviously, what's happening in the U.S. stock market, uh, the big board, you know, focusing, I don't focus on penny stocks. I just think it's too, you know, everything's manipulated, but technicals are going to respond very well to the big board. Uh, You can play the option chain. That was another thing we gravitated and ended up shifting to, which was the option chain to be able to play these big board names. Um, But yeah, I do not, long story, long answer is I don't spend too much time looking at the Canadian market
1: i had to make that transition as well and and i think you really touched on it the liquidity i want to be able to get in and get out and i don't want a major spread between the bid and the ask uh, because then it's it's slippage and so yeah you you know when your account grows to a point where the slippage makes a difference uh you know you're really kind of drawn to those high high liquidity leaders
0: oh yes um I was trading with a BMO Investor Line account, and I remember making a big uh, entry market order um, on uh, a Canadian stock, and uh, slippage was a, a wake-up call. Um, wow. So I started this trade uh, essentially down uh, five figures just by doing the entry, Um, wake up call. Uh, Yeah, you can't do this in this type of environment. Why? Okay, now I learned, now I understand. Okay, we're never gonna do that again. But you try and do that on the big board, on anything in the big, you're, you get filled the market you get filled on the ass it's much easier it's easier to play it's um you don't have those concerns whereas you know i was talking to an individual today about a stock in the canadian market and he was telling me it was going to go up uh on earnings and i was looking at the chart and i was like oh you know this sounds pretty good the chart kind of has got a really nice pattern it's trading at about two dollars and ten cents something it's trying to go to three dollars especially Based off of the information you're saying with earnings, get an earnings run up. And I was like, you know what? I'll go put in $20,000 today. So I'll buy 10,000 shares. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I like the pattern. I'll hold this uh, for a couple of weeks into earnings. And then I looked at the volume, it was 4,000 shares at lunchtime. I was like, why? I, I, I can't. I actually cannot participate in this. I, right? Because who am I going to be? I'm just going to be putting myself at a deficit trying to get in. Now you could try and layer in, but I'm going to have a problem later on. How am I going to scale out of this trade? What if the what if the the chart actually flips and I'm I'm reading it wrong and it gives me a, it gives me a bear reaction? Um, guess what? I, I can't sell my twenty thousand shares and I'm down, so can't do it. So that stuff doesn't really interest me. I got to be you know somewhere where I know the liquidity is best. I know people don't really like trading against algos or with algos. I do. I kind of like their price action behavior. It's a little bit more predictable than relying on a retail trader to come in and buy after me. It's I don't have to worry about that with the big board.
1: Is there a handful of stocks that you look at on a daily basis? You kind of name some of them. Uh, you know, some of the major uh I call them TMLs, true market leaders. Yeah. is there you know a list of stocks you and you're like i'm i'm checking these every day
0: yeah so currently it is tesla it is amazon I'm just looking at my board right now facebook um, airbnb uh, roblox paypal amd apple uh, google uh, ccj um, there's a few others, but mainly, you know, I love Ford. So Ford's have been really good to me over time. It's not on the board right now. It's just cause of where it is in terms of its consolidation. And then of course the market, right. Being able to trade the market. Um, I don't trade futures. It's just mainly if I'm going to trade the markets, either it's going to be done through options or, you know, going to use a three X leverage ETF against one of the market indices, but that's, that's currently the board. Um, I think there is one more that I might have missed in here. We're watching Oxy and Square and Facebook as well.
1: Sure I think it's really Facebook. important, Rick, what you're, what you're talking about, because I believe as an active investor, everyone should have their list of go-tos, where mm-hmm. if they don't look at anything else, they're at least looking at this one list of true market leaders, where there at least may be one trade a day that you can make on those stocks.
0: Yeah, sometimes we we could spread ourselves too thin, right? And I am I am spread pretty thin myself because I do have a lot of charts that are up. You know, too much information could cause analysis paralysis. You really got to have a a game plan and understanding what you're going to anticipate for these names and then execute them as they come along. You know, when you're starting trading, you shouldn't have 16 charts up on your board, right? You shouldn't be going through 16 names and looking for those opportunities while you're learning. You really got to understand the movements of the individual stock that you should focus on. Focus on it because you believe the story, you like the fundamentals. But it's acting well it's pain right it's going up it's not going down unless you're a bear and it's going down so sometimes it could be a detriment you have too many things on watch and then once it goes you kind of lost sight of it because you were focusing somewhere else and now the name that you're focused on is not moving but it's good to have a core understanding of the names that you focus on how they trade how they move What are the typical behaviors? And really then, you know, that's the zone. You know, you got your alert, that's your zone. You understand why you want to buy that zone versus coming in every single day and looking for something new every single day. You know, it's very difficult because to beat the market is hard. To beat the market every single day, trying to put on a new trade every day is even harder. The more trades you put on, the more losses you're going to take. If you're making a day trade every single day, your risk to reward is typically one-to-one or even worse against you because you're not properly focusing on those risk to reward zones that you should be buying or you should be selling in. Um, But at the end of the day, you're absolutely correct. You've got to have a foundation of stocks that you're constantly aware of. Like you, crypto, I see the crypto information you post and I'm like, I've never heard of that, but you're all over it, so you understand it. I wouldn't understand it, right? And because I want to understand it, I wouldn't know just to buy it because, hey, this looks like a bull flag in here. Yeah, but how does it really respond to its bull flags? What do these bull flags typically look like on this name? You've got to have uh, a good feel for how that stock trades.
1: How would you describe your trading style and process? And then maybe also talk to me about the, uh, the importance of developing your own style. You, you kind of touched on it a little and you said, well, you know, this is for me, this is for my style. So how, how does a trader develop their own style?
0: Yeah, the number one thing developing, to developing your own style is time in the market. So the time that you have sitting in the chair and trading is really going to teach you who you are, what you're comfortable with. You know, you can be influenced by so many other traders that are successful or posing to be successful, But they're doing things that you're not comfortable with it's not something that i'm going to do so you want to swing uh overnight weeklies uh big position and show people you hit six figure seven figure trade well i'm not comfortable to do that uh you know overnight unless it absolutely was in my wheelhouse it was my setup and um i I believe this is going to work out but my risk is still going to be manageable Over time, you're going to find out the kind of trader you are. You're going to deal with all the emotional struggles, your hope, fear, greed, regret. Those experiences in any trades that you put on are going to make you realize this is the kind of trade I like to take. I will take this one. Mr. or Mrs. over here who's a really good trader is liking this type of trade and it's worked for them. You know what? It's not my style. It doesn't work for me. They might get paid, but I'm going to sit here, I'm going to be uncomfortable. And if I'm uncomfortable in the trade, I'm likely going to react irrationally. I'm not going to react the way I should and let it develop. Over time, I developed my system. It's really using the eight exponential movement average. It's really using Fibonacci's and understanding A couple of traits that really work out, whether it's a volume climax, whether it's pattern breaks, you know, using triangles, using head and shoulders, using both legs, uh, and then understanding the the Fibonacci zones, which is something that I highly use and I highly recommend understanding Fibonacci zones. So, you know, over time, you're going to escalate, elevate your, your knowledge base even more. I used to just look at support and resistance, and then I incorporated the you know, the Fibonacci levels and then incorporated understanding what's the difference between a support and resistance versus supply zone and a demand zone where the buyers are going to line up and the seller's going to line up. So over time, you're going to find out who you are and what works for you. And once you have it, once you work for it, never argue with your system, stick with your system because you've back-tested it. You've gone through it. You've learned through that system. Most traders, they have these problems because they're kind of just like, Oh, let me go trade this way. Let me trade the Bollinger Band theory, or let me go trade penny stocks now, or let me, okay, now I got to learn how to do Elliott wave. Oh no, I got to use the Y process. And they're always all over the place and they don't have anything solid because they don't have enough experience just using one and testing one system out. As soon as any system becomes a little bit difficult because the market conditions change, everybody looks to try and change their system or change who they are not recognizing that it's the market environment. You just have to adapt to this new market environment. You might not be able to get big trades in this market environment. If you're a bull and it's you a know, bear market, well, guess what? Your windows of opportunity have shrunk. They're still bull trades, but they're much smaller. So what does that mean? Less trades, less size, less swing positions, capitalize when you see those opportunities there. So you know, to answer the question, it's you gotta, you gotta have time in the chair. You gotta go through these experiences. Learn who you are as a trader. What are you comfortable with? And and really own it and accept it.
2: This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place. Like Texas, you've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com.
1: Let's talk about the current market conditions. How have you been navigating this market? It's been a tough year. So talk about how you've been successful, maybe some mistakes you've made, and then what you kind of are thinking into the next quarter.
0: Yeah, so I would say as a bull, as you can see, uh, I, I pronounce myself as a bull all the time. I'm always looking for the bull trade. I'm always looking for the bull scenario to a fault. That sometimes you miss the tops, you miss those consolidation periods, you miss because you're always sticking in one direction, right? I, I do like that method better, sticking with one direction. Because if you're constantly flip flopping, you're constantly struggling to time, time to top, time to bottom, time to top, time to bottom, and it becomes a grind. And it's very, in this business is already a grind. You know, every single day, it's an emotional challenge. You're getting feedback every single day. Good feedback or bad feedback. And too much feedback every single day is overwhelming, especially if it's constantly in one direction. So, if you're constantly getting bad feedback, you're constantly losing trades, it's bad feedback. It's like when you go to work, you have a job, your boss gives you negative feedback. Hey, you didn't do a good job here, or you're in customer service business and the customer is mad at you, um, or you get disciplinary action, you don't get a raise. Those bad feedbacks, they probably happen. Once a month, once a quarter, I mean, if you're a good employee, it should never happen. But when they happen, they don't feel good, right? It's a negative feeling. You go home, you talk to your wife or your husband about it, and it's a negative feeling. Generally, your reaction is to fight back on it because it's not something you encounter all the time. In trading, we get this every single day. Every day we show up, we either did a good job or we did a bad job. And I find that if you're constantly flip-flopping, then you're really going against the grain all the time versus letting something develop. So in this market environment, it hasn't been my market environment. This is not a scenario where I will thrive in, but I have a theory that I teach people and a theory, a method that I teach people. And it's my staple it's protecting your high or low. What, protecting your higher low. People who think about a higher low on a chart. I'm talking about your higher low on your p and I'm talking about protecting your capital and understanding that you're going to get to a certain point where you need to take a break. You need to stop and understand, ooh, you know, market conditions have changed because when we're making a lot of money as a bull because the stocks are going up, there's going to be a point where the stocks stop going up and they're gonna be coming back down for their higher low. As long as they hold their higher low and they go to a higher high, if you're sticking with that chart, you're gonna to continue to make higher highs. As soon as that chart reverses, you made money on the way up because you were playing at bull and all of a sudden it's going down and you're giving back money. Well, guess what? What you were doing before is not gonna work right now because this stock, this market is in a consolidation market. That's where I really shut down and I get protective. I get into this, okay, I'm gonna protect my higher low, I understand the market conditions are, are, have changed i've given back money naturally as a bull in this market you should give back some money that's natural um anybody holding a long portfolio has given back money that's natural and it's okay to accept that because it's not always your time in the market so what we've seen in here has been a pretty dramatic pullback and we've got a lot of news that's causing you know some significant noise frustration or fear you know fear uncertainty doubts and doubt, flood into retail traders you know we got russia ukraine we've got inflation rates um i mean there's I've, the fed raising rates now there's so much fear of recession is going to come inverted yield curve all of this noise really gets you distracted and thinking in one direction and stop focusing on what the chart is actually saying so i like to gravitate back to what the chart is saying and there's been a lot of opportunity from the bull side recently because the chart actually told us that the chart when it had its original bottom in February, it did a volume climax on that day. It then came down and gave us a bullish divergence low, which will typically mark a bottom. We went back up. We came back down near the FOMC because everyone was anticipating FOMC to raise rates and, you know, continue to further drop it, but the market was hedged and it's caused this violent rally back up. I was a believer three, four weeks ago, doing videos on, I believe the low was in, and we came back and almost tested those levels and there was a buy zone down there, but I figured from there, we would be able to push back up. Now we're going to go back to an all-time high, or we're going to do a behavior like we saw in 2018, when the Fed raised rates in 2018, and we had this W pattern and we had a triple top. That's kind of where we're going right now. And we're going to see that reaction in there, but we've had a massive run off of the bottom There's a lot of FOMO off of the bottom. I don't like that everyone still thinks we're going to break low. I believe when everyone's looking one direction, the market likes to look the other. That you know, because everyone's still bearish, we're going to have that opportunity to continue to push up. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity still in individual stocks, but there's some significant chop on the horizon. The more we come off the bottom in the manner we are, I'm going to be looking for another long period of consolidation, but it doesn't mean new lows. It means a choppy, probably a choppy first half of Q2 is what I'm looking for.
1: And I think you really touched on some important points there, Rick, because so many traders can say, I need to be long and short. I need to play the ups. I need to play the downs. I need to get every inch of every move. And for me, it was a conscious decision to do the same thing that you're doing. I'm a long only trader. And so when the market isn't conducive to my strategy, I'm pretty much hands off, or I'm taking smaller trades, you know, just trying to stay in sync. So I think it's really important for traders to decide what they want to do. You know, mm-hmm. decide do I want to try and time the bottom and the top, or do I just want to play the trend? And for me and my style, it's always been the trend where I make the money. You know, uh, the, I mean, yeah. you look at some stocks. Some stocks are down 30 plus percent. Well, a lot of those same stocks just went up 30 plus percent in six days. And so you can still get those gains just by following a strategy that you have proven to work time and time again.
0: Yeah, it's identifying who you are and what you're good at and what you're comfortable with. And it's the time in the seat. So not flip-flopping, not going back and forth, back and forth does not mean that's there's anything wrong with that. If it's you, you have to be you. You have to be the trader that you are. You're comfortable with that. Um, and you found, you found that it works for you. Those types of traders, they don't like to hold the long trends. They can't hold the long trends because every time something gets a little bit extended, they want to short it, they want to short it, right? And during big long trends currently, like what we're seeing off of the bottom here, that becomes very frustrating because you, you were short it, it was working, it was working, and it's no longer working, you have to change your behavior. You have to recognize that behavior shift. Whereas for me, I don't really like to do that. I don't like to do that because then I'm always constantly going back and forth. I personally just love the bull side, um, like to grab a trend and hold a trend and use my eight exponential moving average, and that's it. The biggest money is made when you have the trend, you believe in the stock, you will hold it. And ultimately, it's like you said, you got to – You got to be you. You got to have that experience. You got to understand what's your style and stick with it.
1: Talk to me about your daily routine. How do you prepare for the trading day? Do you have a ritual or, you know, something you do? Typically I'll put on headphones and I'll listen to music and I'll just kind of psych myself up to find out what's going on in the world. What's a, what's a daily routine or a starter for you?
0: Well, I think like most traders, as soon as I wake up in the morning, I turn on TradingView or your broker and start looking at what the futures markets have done. If you had some swing positions, you're automatically just, you haven't, you know, <laughs> you haven't even got the cobwebs out and you're still looking at it. Um, what I do is we, we have a community, right? Fittraders.com. We have an online uh, chat community. Uh, we've got traders all over the world, Canada, us, we got some in Europe, um, some in Hong Kong, and we have a system in here, right? Where it's a, it's a bunch of stocks that we're focused on. So prior to the day the, the day, the night before, I'll be going through those charts again because I'll do a YouTube video. I'll really get a setup for what we're going to expect the next day. And then in the morning, based off of what the futures have done, I will come on, I usually get to my computer at about 740, 745. And I'll start looking based off of, okay, the patterns and the levels that I currently have drawn, what's happened? Is anything significantly shifted? And then I'll go through my list, my watch list, and I'll look at what are the expected opportunities for those names today. Is there a consolidation pattern? Is today a breakout day? Is today, ooh, no, today's gonna be a bear day. Just st- sit there and watch. And I'll go into my community and I'll put them all out there, right? And I'll just go through the entire list and here's what I'm looking at, here's what to expect, here's the opportunities, here's a caution, here's, hey, here's a whatever, like whatever we're gonna look for for today. And then the bell rings and you know everything, okay. Okay, let's see what's going to happen. I usually like to give the market 15 minutes to see because those first five, 10 minutes is usually, okay, it looks like exploding. What happens when it comes back to the five-minute ADMA? Let's see what happens from there. And then really to to understand, if I'm already in a trade, then then it's a little bit different. But just see how that's going. I update the community as we go along, spot out any opportunities. And then about lunchtime to one o'clock, I go live. And we do a Zoom live session. Um, And I'll go through all the member requests. Oh, sorry. In the morning, I also do the live video for the community as well on Zoom, which will be going through my watch list. So I'll talk about my watch list and the opportunities I'm watching. And in the afternoon live, I go through all the community's watch list, everything that they want to look at, everything they want to talk about. And then finish off the trading day. I'm like full-time dedicated. I'm here. Like I'm present. I sit at these computers uh, a little bit too much. Um, but yeah, I'm here. And then at the end of the day, I will recap what I've seen and go on YouTube, do a recap video based off of what I see and what I think is going to happen. And what's the most likely scenario for us in the next couple of days. I don't try to predict a month or two months out. I like to try and predict what's going to happen in the next few sessions, which could lead to, you know, a longer, a longer uh, path of where we might be going. So it's a busy day. It's a lot. It's staring at the screens a lot. And this is a caution for a lot of people. The more you stare at the screens, the more you burn out, the more trades you put on, the more you chase things. So you really got to have game plans. You got to be prepared and also recognize that this is an addiction, right? Trading is an addiction. Gambling is an addiction. Making money is an addiction. Losing money, trying to recover it's the gamblers dream to break even once they lose money. Same thing happens in trading. As soon as they start losing money, they're, they're over trading. They're oversizing. They're overcompensating to they make that money back. And you really got to recognize that addiction and give yourselves breaks, give yourself time away from the charts, understand it's okay to miss some things. You're going to miss some opportunities. Let it happen. Um, it's good for you. It's good to rejuvenate. So you talk about ritual. I play music. I play music and the only time the music's not on is if I'm live or I'm here with Scott um, music's playing all day. And uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Like have a coffee with my wife and just relax and, If things are going good i I might be dancing a little bit if things are going bad it might just be okay time to take a break
1: i remember one time uh, i dm'd you or something or maybe you dm'd me i don't remember but we're talking about slow music and one thing that can happen is if a trade is going really well you can find yourself getting really excited and, and kind of you know if you're if you're staring at the screen all day kind of make a decision when you don't need to make a decision um so Music for you is something you use to psych yourself up, but also, I think is really cool, something to kind of calm yourself down.
0: Yeah, yeah. it, it was Adele. I was telling you, um, we <laughs> got to listen to Adele. When well, things are going so well, listen to some Adele or some Miley Cyrus. Just relax a little bit. Okay, Miley Cyrus like country music, right? Now, the <laughs> Not during her crazy days. Um, but just to be able to relax a little bit, right? Because you could... There's an emotional scale in trading, just like the RSI scale, right? The below 30 you you're oversold above 70, um, you're overbought. There's an emotional RSI scale there as well. I like to call it the 40 to 60 and that's where you want to stay. You want to stay in the 40 to 60 zone, never getting over 60, your emotions getting over 60 because you're in a euphoric mindset. Whenever you're in a euphoric mindset, you could make a big mistake and forget to sell or size up too big, uh, celebrate too much and miss key signals, but also think you're a much better trader than what you actually are, and which is going to cause uh, a negative feedback later on down the road. And also when things aren't going well, Um, which is what's happened to a lot of traders now things aren't going well because the way the market's been absolutely turbulent in both directions and it's been very hard as you get below 40 and you believe you're the worst trader ever right you believe you're never going to catch a trade again and then you kind of give up right you give up because you're trying to force something in a market environment that you shouldn't so trying to keep in that 40 to 60 balance but when you're in a trade and you find yourself getting over that 60 Throw on some Adele or throw on some Miley Cyrus and calm you down. Bring that heart rate down and breathe and just let the choice develop.
1: No, I think that's really powerful. I think for a lot of people, uh, finding strategies to use to manage those emotions, uh, especially for active traders, is really important. Mm -hmm. You have worked with a lot of traders uh, you know, you talked about it here with your community. What do you think uh, one of the most common problems traders have uh, when they're starting out that come to you and say, oh, I need help fixing this?
0: They, so the worst thing that can ever happen to a new trader is make a lot of money. It's the worst thing that can happen because you, your future is going to haunt you. It's going to be a terrible path that you're going to be on. So anybody that that's come to me over time and has generally come to me to be their mentor to focus on the psychology, the psychology of what us traders go through. Anybody could teach you how to read a chart or how to use the charts. And there's very, I mean, there's a million different ways to trade off of charts. There's a million different indicators that you can use. So everyone kind of has their own system. Systems are great. Own the system, stick with the system, never argue with your system. But the system means nothing if you're not in control of your emotions. Understanding your emotions is the most powerful tool a trader has. It's not a, you have this uh, good tip, you have this good chart pattern, you have this um, great sector. It's your emotions. You can have a great sector and lose money. You can have a crypto bull run, or an MJ bull run, or you know, tech sector bull run, oil bull run, and lose money because you're completely out of whack with your emotions. It's that hope, fear, greed, regret. It's that ability to reflect on all the experiences you're going through, it's to write it down, it's to talk to a mentor, it's to talk to another trader about it. Because when you encounter these scenarios, again, you will have more experience, you'll understand how you feel, you understand how to tackle it. The main issue I see from anybody I've ever met, is their emotions they made a lot of money they blew it that's the biggest thing once you blow all the big money you you made you got so much regret to deal with it's almost insurmountable to recover you got to catch another big bull run another big bull market and something Uh, most people fizzle out before then that's why they say 90 percent of traders fail but you know the 10 percent that succeed is they spent the time in the market they hung in there they dedicated their time but out of all the traders that dedicate their time, that spend the time in the market really learn, reflect and understand the psychology of trading, their own psychology plus chart psychology. How many of those, if we put those on a scale, how many of those fail? It's not 90%, 90% of those don't fail. We fail time to time. We might fail for a trade. We might fail for a week. We might fail for a quarter. But over time, because we're in it for the long run, we understand sense a marathon, it's not a sprint. We understand our system is not going to be applicable in every market and will adapt, we will be successful. This is what new traders struggle with. They don't understand this. And you can't learn it just by somebody telling you it. You can't learn it by reading, a uh, trading in the zone by Mark Douglas or the Disciplined trader. You will, you will learn, okay, I see what these people are saying. I've done this before. I've spoken to hundreds of traders, coached them over and over, but they need to go through the experience themselves. When I'm preaching, you know, staying 40 to 60, protecting your higher low, that's all cool. But GameStop is running to 380. I, I need to be all in here. I need to make all that money, right? And then later on, after that big blow up and you go through that huge psychological battle and you lose it all, now you understand the marathon versus sprint. Now you understand the psychology of protecting your higher low. Everything changes. You might've been listening to me. It sounded great at the time, but you need to go through that experience You might get this information from other people, but until you learn it yourself by experiencing it yourself, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And unfortunately, your trading journey is going to have a lot of hard times, but it's going to teach you a lot about yourself. And it's going to teach you if you have the the skin and the stones to do this for the long time. Everybody could do it in 2020 off of the bottom. Everybody can do it when stocks, Stocks only go up. Everybody can do it. What happens when we go through a three-month correction, a three-month cycle that is just chopped down? Can everybody do it now? Now, it doesn't mean you needed to be profitable in this past three months, but it need, it, need, it means you needed to protect yourself, protect your capital, protect your mindset, and prepare yourself for when that market environment comes back into your wheelhouse and you're comfortable with it that you're ready back to participate in it. first you quit you gave up because things got too hard
1: let's pull on that thread a little rick you're talking about uh not being perfect so many traders especially on twitter that's all they share they share oh look at this great trade i made
0: if you're being influenced by people that are always showing this perfection uh, you got to be very careful you're following the wrong people you're listening to wrong people it's okay to follow people that are always showing you perfection and they're because there's some skills there that you could really understand and maybe those chart opportunities those those trade opportunities but the reality is this is a show right people are putting on a show when they're saying they're always perfect they're always successful i come on i do youtube every single day um i go on zoom in my community every single day i show up to work every single day people know my face they know my name this is not an anonymous account that's you know trying to sell people something. I don't even go and sell. I don't market. I don't try and sell the community. Traders come, they join Fit because they've watched videos over time, they followed me over time, and they believe I'm the right mentor for them to help them elevate their game. You know, give them that piece of the puzzle that's missing. That's it. The perfection is never going to be uh, is never going to be there. You might hit a perfect trade once in your life, and I mean, you got in your full size. Off of the bottom, and you sold your full size off of the top. You might do that once in your life. I did it once, and it's only happened once. And I've probably made 10,000 trades in my life, and I did one perfect trade. It was BP, BPTH. It was a pharmaceutical penny stock. It exploded on this one day. I never heard of it, but I understood my system. I understand how to use the two minute ADMA when we're going parabolic and we're trending. And I actually sold the top tick of that stock. And people couldn't believe it. They thought I was like a wizard. I'm like, whoa, 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 It's nice. I've never done that. And it'll probably never happen again. I'm talking a full size, right? Not, hey, I was scalping in and out, and I scalped out, and there's my top tick because I scalped out, you know, 33% of my full position. It happened once after all these trades. We need to understand perfection does not exist, especially. In trading. I mean, perfection does not exist in life, right? You think about any person that's extremely successful in what they've done, the greatest athletes of all time, they failed over and over and over again. Baseball is my favorite sport. The best baseball players in the world get on base at about a 40% clip. They'll get an on base percentage of 400. That means for every 10 at bats they come to the plate, they fail six times. They are failing more than they are being successful. That's how hard it is. To be a baseball player to get in that box and hit a baseball coming at you 100 miles per hour. That's the same thing in trading. It is so hard for us to be perfect when we got we got to work against big institutions that have way more money than us and they have way more time than us and they have way more information than us. we got to deal with these algos that are programmed just to wipe uh, retail traders out ramp it up, we got insiders selling on information that they might know, or buying on information that they know, and then we're always just competing against and the next year I got to be better than this guy, I got to be better than this girl. No, you should never be like that. You got to understand the only competition is yourself. How can you learn from these other traders that are out there? Little tidbits here and here. Don't overhaul your system. Just take some things from them and understand you're just a participant in the market, and you're not going to be perfect. You see that market trend. This is a trade that falls into your wheelhouse. Enjoy it, hit it, make some money. I've been in trades where they've completely backfired on me. Bad news, overnight gap downs. The only way to mitigate that is to have the proper risk position size that when you go to sleep at night, you know you're not going to be extremely stressed. And then if something happens overnight, um, it's not going to kill you. But this is why I really like to focus on the big part. You're not generally going to get a massive, significant bad news release. Okay. So, you know, if you're playing on Apple or Microsoft, the stocks could go down, but you're not going to gap down 10%, 5%. You know, these are going to be pretty stable. My risk comes on when I'm swinging weekly options. But when I'm swinging weekly options, which has been some of my biggest trades of my life, I hit 6,000% on Tesla. Uh, Last year, near the end of the year, I had 3,000% on Amazon near near the end of the year. There's been a whole bunch of 2,000, 3,000% trades, but those have all been weekly options. But guess what? In those weekly options, I'm not full boat. I don't have my full account size in these trades. Otherwise, I'd be a billionaire on top of those (laughs) trades. It's never going to happen.
1: You wouldn't be talking to me right now.
0: Who knows? But... It's not gonna happen. So our mitigation of not being perfect and dealing with bad situations is, it happens prior to putting on the trade. It's understanding how much risk am I willing to put on on this weekly option that I'm going to swing tonight? How much of my account portfolio am I willing to put in this trade? If you've got a, you know, a 10% position of your portfolio in a stock, and you're willing to take a 10% loss, uh, guess what? You've lost one percent of your account value. That is that the proper position size for you? It's probably a good, uh, you know, method over time. But some, but you know, traders are not going to do that. Like man, the GME is running at three eighty. I'm all in. You know, I'm all in in the weekly options, and this is where we get those big, hurtful, impactful opens the next day when it goes against you. And I try and avoid that. Early in my career, of trading career, I wouldn't have tried to avoid it because I was trying to grow my account. And when you're trying to grow your account, you do take on a little bit more risk than you would do once you develop your nest egg. Like You have your nest egg, you kind of want to get a little bit protective with it. So you're going to take on less uh, opportunities to blow up. My method is, I can't blow up because I'm not going to put myself in a position to blow up. I could take losses. I could take 10 losses in a row. I could be wrong, 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 wrong. And then boom, okay, I hit a good trade. Now, does it make all my wrongs back or no? I'm is am I not profitable yet on the year? Okay, that's fine. But I'm never going to put myself in a position where boom, it's over. Well, that means you didn't understand. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. There's few and far, few and far between times where you could start sprinting. There's moments in the market that allows you to sprint. And that's what I call patio season. And when you're in patio season, you got to enjoy it. It's here. It's so visible. You buy, and you hold, you swing 10 stocks, you play weekly options, all kinds. When we have that environment, you take advantage of it. If we don't have that environment, make sure you recognize it. You don't trade that way. You understand it's the long game.
1: Press into your winners and pull your weeds, right? Anything that's working and... and uh and giving you a nice gain. Okay, maybe I'll lean into this a little more because the market environment says that I should lean into it a little more. And that's how I've always liked to trade. I always like to feel like I need the market to pull me in, it's got to suck me in. And if it does, then okay, I'm gonna ride that. Uh, But you know, obviously, it's a rare situation for that to happen, because everything needs to be going on all cylinders. And those times happen. And those can be year making times. But I think you got to wait for that. And what a lot of people want to do, you know, that I see is they want the big gains every day. I, I need to make thousand percent every day. And if I'm not doing that, then I must not be a trader.
0: Yeah. And it, we're influenced by other people showing us these things as well. Right. Uh, look, I hit a thousand percent here. I hit this. I hit, hit hit this here. You feel like that FOMO, you're missing out and you're not as good as these people. But you said Something that's very important is that pressing into your winners and then pulling the weeds of those losers, that's not what happens though. Retail traders don't do that. They sell their winners too quick and they bag hold the losers or they average down, they average down, average down to the point where you're holding Zoom from 550 down to, I don't know what it's trading at right now, but all of those stocks, if you think about ARK stocks, people hold or they add to it, they add. They put good money back in, into a further bad position. And that's the biggest challenge is people don't understand how to hold winners and to get rid of the losers and accepting defeat, accepting the loss, because those losses could get a lot worse because you're not understanding the trend has changed or the trend is working against you. So that's a big thing to really understand that. Most people, they don't sell too early, hold too long. And that's the recipe for for burning out and failing in trading.
1: Rick, you have one of the slickest trading setups uh, that I've ever seen. It's been featured many times by the fine folks over at tradingview.com. Could you walk us through, in your mind, uh, what traders should have for a trading computer or a trading setup?
0: Yeah, so I would say, like, start small and work your way up. Right, understand how much information you could take on and how much information you actually need. If I if I wasn't you know running a community and looking for numerous opportunities and watching numerous charts for a lot of people, right? Because I like to focus on things I know the community is focused on. I wouldn't have two forty nine inch monitors. I have two forty nine inch monitors and I have a vertical monitor over here, um, thirty five inches or something like that. Um, so I have three right? It's a lot of re- screen space. It's a lot of space, but again, it's information overload. If you don't know how to handle it. I This office this current office that I'm in right now. I've been in this uh, home for five years. This is a home office. I started in here. I have a picture. It's so funny to look at it from today to where it was. It was just a laptop. It was just a laptop, simple, just a MacBook. It was a laptop. And, you know, I was looking at four charts at that time and that was it. I had my phone for anything I wanted to do on Twitter and chat room that I was in to use on my phone as well. That's a good place to start because if you believe the best way to start is to grab 249 inch monitors, it's way too much information. You don't have the experience, the screen space to understand how to deal with all that. So I say work your way up. If I was to say, "Hey, you want to be a real trainer, you want to get some uh, a good monitor to have some good screen space, get one 49 inch ultra wide. Mm-hmm. You can have your chart, you can have your broker, you can have whether whatever it is that you're also watching, whether it's a chat room, whether it's Twitter, or whether it's uh, you know Wall Street Bets, whatever it is, that's enough. You have that space to get a nice space for your chart, nice space for your broker, and some other information that you're using." two charts, three charts to start, and then work your way up, work your way up. But don't think a bigger, better setup means bigger, better profits. It could actually work inverse and work against you because you your head's on a swivel and you're watching too many things and you end up chasing everything. Traders like to buy when things are already near their highs. They don't like to buy when they're down at the lows because that's the emotional state, that the euphoria state. Oh, this is looking really good to keep something higher. You're getting near the end of the cycle. Oh, this is going to crash. This is so low. It's getting near the end of the cycle, right? So you have all this real estate. You end up chasing everything that looks like it's green and selling everything that looks like it's red, and it could be an inverse uh, opportunity.
1: Rick, you and I chatted last year. You were gracious enough to have me on your podcast, which was a lot of fun. And one of the questions that you asked me was about work-life balance. Uh, You produce a ton of content. You're working with people all the time. How do you make time for your family, but also stay engaged with the market?
0: Yeah, work-life balance is the biggest challenge for traders being addicted to the market, being addicted, having to see every move, not wanting to miss any tick, a candle, any candle ticks for the names that you're watching. My work-life balance is easily defined that I work from home. And I see my kids every day when they go to school, as soon as they get home, they come into my office. So I'm not missing that time versus when I was working with BMO, you know, spending an hour commuting each way and spending 10 to 12 hours there. There's no life balance in terms of spending time with the family. You know, I look at it like any job, anything, any entrepreneur, you wanna be successful, you have to put in the time. The time has to be put in to be successful at anything you do. So, is anticipating that you're working eight to ten hours a day as a trader being, you know, perceived as a negative thing? Well, if you're going to do anything great, it takes time. It takes effort. You have to be there. You have to put in the time to understand this. This is not a. This, there's no reality of trading for ten minutes and then going to the beach and you know saying, "Hey, I'm done for the day." That's a lie. That's not true. That's not how the market works, especially if you're going to make big gains. Because if you're getting a big make big gains. You're not doing that in five, 10 minutes, and then you're done for the day. You can do it once in a while, you hit those trades, but the big runs are letting charts develop, letting time develop, and being in those charts and scouting those opportunities. So my work life balance is I spend 10 to 12 hours at the charts. Yes, it's a lot. But that's what I believe it takes to be successful anything you're doing. It's putting in the hours. It's putting in the time. You think about the greatest sports athletes of all time. You think about uh, like Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan wasn't showing up at game time to score 30 points and hang a banner. It was all the work he was doing before that that you don't see. It's the pre-work. It's the after work. It's coming to the gym at 4 o'clock in the morning to practice before your team practices at 8 a.m. It's putting in that time, that reps. That's what it takes to be great. It's to put in the work. And the only way you can put in the work and put in the time is you got to love what you're doing. And if you don't love what you're doing, if you show up to work every day and you hate it, then you're not going to put in that time. You want to do an hour and get out. I don't feel that way. I do love this. It's probably crazy. You have to have a little bit of psychotic behavior in you to love trading. But I do, even through the ups and downs, because it's a challenge. And I'm challenging myself every day to get better but once the day ends I finish my work I open this door I'm with my family and there you go shut it down time to be my kids don't care what happened in Apple today or Tesla today they want to go my son wants to go play baseball he he plays uh triple I'm A baseball I'm a coach I'm the coach on that team that's something we do on the side um you know I like smoking cigars I like drinking wine, probably not the best two behaviors, but it's one of the things I like to indulge in. And uh, long story short is to be successful in anything, you got to put in the time. There's no such thing as, Hey, I trade for 30 minutes a day and I'm done. Yeah. Okay. That's a lie.
1: Love it. Well, Rick, you've been so generous with your time. I really appreciate it. How can people get in touch with you?
0: But you can follow me on YouTube at Fit Traders. It's only one T, so F I T R A D E R S. You can check out all the content I have on there. You can also follow me on Twitter at Fit Traders Rick. Um, those are two places to find me. Also on Instagram. Instagram is a little bit crazy because there's a lot of people that are pretending to be me. So you got to make sure it's the right one F I T R A D E R S on Instagram. I'm more active on Instagram than I am on Twitter. Um, but I am on Twitter. So you'll see I got about 7,000 followers on Twitter, about 17,000 on Instagram, 40,000 on YouTube. Also, if you want to come check out our online trading community, you can visit the website uh, fittraders.com. If you want to come check us out, feel free to DM me, shoot me an email, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, uh, check out the videos on YouTube, leave me a comment. i like to get back to everybody. we're a niche community, but I believe the content and the information that I provide and um, our community provides is top-level class. This is not your regular online retail trading community. Um, no pump and dump. Real. We we focus on the big board. We focus on the the real trading journey, and we go through it together.
1: Well, thank you very much for your time, Rick. I could chat with you all day, man. It's so good to connect again. Uh, let's let's do this again soon.
0: I appreciate you having me on. It was a great experience and I wish you the best of luck on this podcast. I know it's going to blow up because you have everything that it takes to make this successful. Your personality, your demeanor, your experience, your knowledge, um, you're going to kill it. And I look forward to watching this uh, blow up. Cheers.
1: Thanks, buddy. Take care. From the bottom ain't no half stepping I'm the dog, I made it through so they don't ask questions Long Beach and it ain't no half reppin', once a dog, always a dog, so they don't ask questions
2: And Jackie Holowaddy from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.